I'm Evan Kunai, one of your hosts. I'm here with Christopher Ritter. Yo. And Jordan Garcia. What up? This is the Mock Stars Hold podcast. On, sorry, we actually, sorry, we should actually re-record it because I was okay. just seeing this thing about YouTube things. First 30 seconds, you can't swear. Everything after that is fine. Oh, okay. All right. Got it. Here we All go. Right. Welcome back to the Mock Stars Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I'm here with Christopher Ritter. I'm trying so hard not to swear. I really wanted to do it. And Jordan Garcia. Hi, this is me not swearing. My name is Jordan Garcia. We just found out we can't swear in the first 30 seconds, so we're going to keep it kosher. What are we supposed to do for an intro? That's where all the comedy comes from. I don't know. We you know what we can do? We can splash our how to find the channel. We, we can plug our. Let's go right to plugs. Yep. Zero Straight content. to plugs. Right yeah. to plugs. Okay, yep. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by finding us on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up, subscribe, and ring that bell for more notifications. New episodes every single Friday. We also have another gameplay video coming to you soon. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms. Give us five stars. It goes a long way to making us look really freaking good and helping new people find the show. You can join our Discord server where we're popping off constantly. Uh, You can also join our Patreon where if you join as a supporter, you become a Pepperhead, where the you get the official Pepperhead role, Dr. Pepper Red name on the Discord, and you get access to two exclusive channels, the Dr. Pepper channel, where uh, you get to experience Dr. Pepper memes all day, every day, for the rest of your life. I mean, and I think it's I think it's more than memes. It's it's lifestyle. So think about like culture. Yeah, I shouldn't culture. downplay think, it. Think about like uh, Margaritaville, R.I.P. Jimmy Buffett. Uh, think about Tommy mm-hmm. Bahama. Yeah, it's your, uh, you're selling a, a future. big dogs brand. Yeah. One hundred. Wow. That actually encapsulated that, it fully. Yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you also get access to the Shower Thoughts channel, which is our community-driven content platform. Basically, people can go in there, start a conversation, and we're going to denote a portion of each episode to covering a topic that's discussed in that channel. So uh, go ahead, join our Patreon, become a supporter, and uh, yeah, become a pepperhead. Today, we are covering a few things. We have a few interviews uh, on the show today, but before that, we're going to cover our experience at the most recent tournament that Jordan and I both went to. What was it? The Fall Brawl in Issaquah, Washington at Laughing Dragon Dragon MTG, hosted by the CEDH uh, community. Uh, The server, if you uh, are nasty and you want to join that server, I'll put the link in the description below. Uh, It was a wonderful tournament. Jordan and I are just going to recap our experience a little bit, and we have one single pregame action. We're just going to briefly talk about the errata to the One Ring and Orcish Bowmasters on Arena. Two cards we've uh, talked about the power level a lot. Yeah, true. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's always been the topic of conversation since they've come out. I think, like, okay, so if you aren't aware... Orcish Bowmasters and the One Ring have been running house on every single format that they're legal in. Running train, if you will. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right. 
Yeah, they've been just running. watched you fall apart. Yeah, they're running <laughs> train. Yeah. Uh, okay. You so can leave that out. Of <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. We're past the thirty seconds. Uh, uh, Orcish Bowmaster reads a for one in a black. You have a creature with flash that enters the battlefield, and when an opponent draws an additional card outside of the first one, each of their draw steps, uh, it deals one damage to any target, and you amass Orcs 1. The One Ring is an indestructible artifact that when you cast it, it enters the battlefield. You gain protection until the uh, until your next turn, and then you can tap it, draw a card, put a uh, counter on it, burden counter on it, and you lose a life at the beginning of your upkeep equals the number of burden counters on it. So, quickly, the erratas on Arena are that Orcish Bowmasters no longer has the enter the battlefield effect, which is quite a big nerf and then the one ring the errata is you now have to pay one pay one mana tap it to draw a card equal to the number of burden counter or to put a burden counter and draw cards equal number of burden counters on it so for me the one ring nerf seems a lot more obvious right because you're adding an, an additional cost to each activation there yep the Orcish Bowmaster just losing the ETB seems like a less obvious nerf. Because the Orcish Bowmaster, well, at least in Commander, it's not doing damage on the ETB. But in other formats, is that where a lot of the uh, takeovers happening? Yeah, it, because it means whoever plays the second Bowmaster wins. It, it. it does let you snipe the Bowmaster and not have to wait for the next draw step. Um, yeah, I think uh, it, they're showing that they've we're very aware of how strong these cards were that they've already changed on Arena. Yeah. Too bad you can't change in paper formats. It's too late for that. The fact. Yeah. I mean, you can. Uh, there's some, uh, like, companions, I guess, are cards in paper that are right. nerfed with a ring. But you can't just be like, yo, everybody, just make sure you pay one when you tap the ring, okay? Mm. Yeah. That's uh, just not going to happen. Yeah, I... I would say that these were erratus like the orcish bowmaster thing is one that i initially in spoilers i was like it doesn't it either you have to take away the flash or you have to take away the etb that was like my opinion on it like right out the gate and so the fact they took the etb away from it just kind of like i feel vindicated a little bit to say that like hey i called it i i sounded the alarm or whatever but um yeah it does nerf it quite a bit like i mean it, yeah not to mention there's combo lines just using the atv you know it is now yeah. one of the cleanest outlets for you know hallbreaker horror or uh cloudstone curio loops and mm -hmm. stuff like that so yeah it if like let's say retroactively they're able to uh reprint this and take away that etb effect this is a card that probably does not see play in cdh it depends. Well, the one ring does see play because it protects you on the full swing of turns and everyone's playing it and everyone's tapping it and drawing cards. So maybe the Bowmaster is still good. Yeah, I think it's still good. Yeah. It just I doesn't mean, also, combo the out. The difference, too, is one of versus four of formats. True. Right. Um, I will say none of this matters because, again, it's printed in paper. So yep. none of this shit's changing. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say about the one ring having the one activation to tap and activate is that... Uh, it does put you off curve now. So it is like a lot of people think, oh, it's just a nothing like, act, you know, pay one activate. But it takes you from going from turn four being protected on your entire turn, you know, until your next turn, tapping, drawing a card, untapping, drawing two more cards to having to have an extra mana available to be able to tap and activate actually slows you down and puts you a turn back or two turns back potentially off of off of that three cards that you would have drawn. Yeah. So it is retroact retroactively. I wish they could make these changes, make these cards a little bit more balanced. But I almost feel like it should be like X tap, activate, 
where it is equal to the number of counters on it. Whoa. Because it's still a one-for-one, one, right? Like, yeah. you're still paying one mana, draw one card. Oh, but you could pay zero, tap it, put a counter on On the first one. Yeah, yeah. So you, draw a card. Yeah, yeah. And then now moving forward, it's like every time you actually have to pay for the cards you're going to draw. Wow. So, I don't know. But That's, again, none of this matters because it's printed right. paper and the format's busted. So... Yep. Speaking, Moving forward. Speaking of busted formats, we just went to a CDH tournament. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went to the Fall Brawl hosted by uh, Marcus in the CDH uh, Discord server and the CDH community. We had a great time. Overall, we had a great time. I placed 18th. Jordan, what did you end up finishing? Uh, 15th. 15th? Yeah. So Jordan made the top 16 cut. I just missed out on it. Um, I was playing Shalyan Halar and Jordan was playing Najila. I think we talked about that in the previous episode, but we're here to speak on the results of that tournament and what we experienced uh, over the weekend. Uh, first, we couldn't even get through the door before you guys swamped us, swarmed us at the door. That was awesome. Thank you so much for you guys' support. It's great to see um, that you guys love the show and are listening. And Antonio, I'm sorry I got your name wrong last episode. I will forever be sorry. He corrected me and I was right. So oh, Yeah, yeah. Vindicated. Ooh, Jordan was right. Jordan Vindicated. was right. Did yep. you guys roll up with a uh, 12 pack of Dr. Pepper cans? No, but we should have, and yeah. we probably will next time. Like it's, that. The thing is, Tordeth showed up with the Dr. Pepper, and I. Oh, nice. Yep, yep. True Pepper head. True Pepper. 100%. Head. Yep. Uh, but we had uh, K Mr. K there, was there, another Pepper head. Uh, yeah, so Tordeth, and then uh, we also had John usable. Shout out to deck. multiple patrons being at mm-hmm. this tournament. Uh, you love to see it. Love the support from the, from the crew. Yeah. And so to get started with the day, uh, we're. We got to get up pretty early, go to these things, and uh, we get there, and it was just, yeah, a great start to the day to see everybody, and turn one pairings fire off almost immediately, and, uh, well... Jordan and I are together in the first pod. <laughs> this is the first time we've ever played against each other in a CDH yeah. tournament. In the Out of first, all the ones we've ever gone to. Yeah, in the first round, and so... Uh, we, we sit down at the table, we're all shuffling up and stuff, we're talking to the two other people at the table, We're we lay down our freaking stellar popping play mats and uh which are available on the patreon now i took down the pre-order you can actually just purchase one now oh, the oh very if you just yeah. want to do that um and we're gonna have other merch forthcoming yes 100%, sir yes 100%, 100%. sir and uh so we lay down our play mats we start shuffling up and we're talking to the other two people at the table and um we learn that this is like their first or second tournament and so uh this means that we can um Mulligan pretty aggressively uh, to get what we want. We just know that who were the who were the commanders? The other two. Uh, It was was, really cool. The street urchin. Yeah, it was the street urchin background. It was gruel pairing. Mm -hmm. I forget the name of the other part of it. Okay, whatever the gruel choose a background guy is. Yeah, or the the green one is. Um, and then it was Nekusar. Oh, okay. So it was some interesting interesting pairings. Yeah, uh, I was on first seat. Evan was going fourth seat. Oh, you were first seat on Najila. Yeah, felt pretty good. And, and Evan, you were fourth seat. Yeah, and on <laughs> off meta. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it really sucked. Not and only that, not blue. I had a not blue. I had a great hand. Yes, I had a great hand. Yeah, I will say that I was probably the only blue player, or the blue player mentality was was with me in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mulliganed to yeah, because Nekazar can be on the stack, but I bet that guy was not Nekazar. Turn one mountain pass, basic mountain. Okay, so we. So right. I, I felt pretty good after I saw that. Like, yeah, I bet, I'm, man. And and you're on the no bad cards version of Gila, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually just I opened up with uh, discard guys cradle the mox diamond other land uh, 
Wishclaw Talisman on turn one. Okay. And then like just went right into turn two, Najila Mana Vault, turn three, tutored for Adnons. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. And I kept a hand with just like a bunch of removal. I turned one day a seal of fire so that I could answer Najila so that other people could interact with it. Because like the one thing is that if he pulls out Najila so quickly, the odds are that he has deflecting SWAT or uh, fierce guardianship somewhere in his hand. So that was like what I did first was before he could get uh, Najila out to counter this, I put out seal of fire so that I could pop it. And that way he wouldn't have free interaction uh, on the stack. I figured I'd really hope the other two players would have something to help me battle this whole thing. That's sort of like the song and dance of yeah. commander. But that just was not the case. Especially for seat four to be taking that responsibility. Yeah, right? it's tough. And and your version of Shalain Halar, like, correct me if I'm wrong, like it's it's not parasitic but it's not playing red elemental blast pyro blast any of the red counters that you have access oh, to or no i am it's you just are? Okay. yeah i didn't mull to like that to try and like pursue that i know that like jordan's line is probably thassa's oracle which you is were just trying to s- a step on it with seal of file yeah yeah i was trying to yeah. get something out that he couldn't counter Got um it. post casting Najila. so uh that was my attempt unfortunately didn't go far enough jordan cast the adnaz and away we went the game was did it was great like i and it was just like insane top decks like i just drew like the mana vault on turn one everything i needed i think the adnaz was super easy mm-hmm. I, yeah. I went to 28 life on the adnaz because i already found lotus petal uh demonic consultation tainted pack calling uh calling the week so I was able to calling the week the uh dockside i'd use to filter my mana uh-huh. and then just Tainted Pack, Demonic Consultation, Thoracal, win. Yeah, you didn't name any bad cards in that pile. Yeah, no, it was super easy, super yeah. good. Uh, I will say that was pretty much the only easy game I had all okay. day. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about game one? Nope. Um, game two, we obviously broke apart and stuff like that. And I think from there on out, I'll say my record, I went 1-1-3. One, one, so I drew three. Okay, and we'll get into that later, I think, with one of the guests. But like that is sort of a factor of the tournament structure, not necessarily how the games were playing. No, not necessarily. There were some people, pl- you know, you, not necessarily the incentive to play towards draws. Yes. Yeah. So that is one thing I, I like, you know, we are talking about here is, you know, like potential for new tournament ideas or stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, we're not fully dead set on one thing. Like we've only just recently started getting any con- tournaments with consistency anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was like posing the new questions like we do with like magic cards. It was like, how could we make this better and stuff like that? And I like to ask everybody that and we'll ask our guests that. Yeah. Um, these are things we can actually errata if we get these the are changeable involved. things. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. This is how we can actually curate our meta a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, right now the popular move is 75 minutes with turns, right? Usually turns is number of active players. That's how many turns there are. Yep. Very few people I find agree with that experienced CDH grinders I find that not a lot of them agree with that uh, that whole structure. Right. Um, the structure that they want to see more often is uh, they want to see 90 minutes and game ends. Now, is this yep. a structure that Laughing Dragon has used in all of their tournaments thus far? Currently, yes. I mean, this, okay. is, a, this is a structure we see a lot of tournaments using right this now. Is, this is the general structure, and it's more the community is like, hey, how about these 90-minute rounds yeah and there's there are some tournaments are doing that you know that's the great thing is because these tournaments are all you know individually run people get to test different things and try these new things out but like i was saying like we've just kind of gotten to a point where like we've 
come to a consensus of generally what works pretty well and we've gotten good at that mm-hmm. and that's what we're seeing these tournaments like repeating and like other people doing the same things so i just want to see like i like to ask like what if or what could we change here you know what could we run a tournament as with a slightly different structure i haven't said like you know the 90 minutes no turns i think that is an interesting move i think it's a good move mm-hmm. um the namely what we're talking about is the, the issue we run into is when you get closer to time ending right and turns going or you're getting into turns there becomes an instant change for a lot of people anybody who's in a mentality yeah yeah anybody yeah. who's in a position where i'm probably not going to win this game it instantly becomes all right playing to my outs this is what we do in cdh i'm and, playing for the one point of drawing versus the zero of losing yeah and you so, fight so to preface that like in edh in cdh even there is a strong like cultural pro- prohibition against or taboo against like king making right exactly yeah and like everything we do in cdh is playing properly right yep playing to your outs anything outside of that is questionable play yeah. So and and yeah and and so like to reframe like oh, if you then have this seventy five minute round seventy five minute uh, round then turns it at that point once you go to turns it changes the incentive structure away from that. Well, I will say the the even the ninety minutes no turns there's still going to be issues. There are going to yeah. be issues getting yeah. close to time running out. There's going to be issues with slow play. play. Slow play is going to be yeah. something you have to police significantly harder than 75 minutes with turns. Yes. So there's going to be, it's not an answer for, it's not an end-all be-all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess now that we're on the tangent of and talking about it, one thing I'm personally thinking of and would like to try is changing our point structure. Um, I don't think that five for a win, one for a draw is maybe the best move. Um, I am not a professional tournament organizer, so I can't like speak to exactly what it is. I'd like to do some tests. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I think you should keep draws and losing on the same playing field. I just think if you can take that incentive away, then all of a sudden you just get to go back to playing CDH where yeah, it is you like, win the game. I am you playing. I am playing to win the game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. like playing to playing to draw, just playing to lose at that point, yeah. right? So yeah. anything or outside even, of that, or is, even if a draw is just a draw and there's a disincentive to lose, that changes things a little. Either bit, way, yeah, you know? exactly right. It's just changing that one little tweak and just yeah. taking any any leverage or foothold that they have for playing outside of the what would you call it the. Uh, principle of like what we do in cdh you need the, the pavlovian effect back you know you need to people need to be drooling for the win yeah yeah, yeah we got people aren't drooling right they're because we're being ad- additionally incentivized in a dra- different direction at a certain point in these games yeah. i went one one and three and i got into top 16 because i drew three games right mm-hmm. like there is something wrong with that like i yeah. i think you should have to have a more positive record to yeah, get into a semifinal match. For sure, it feels better if the top 16 is all people who got there by winning. Right. You know, not by making. Yeah. I, and, like, just so you know, like, we're looking, we have all the deck lists and standings right in front of me. I got in on eight points, right, at 15th. One homie got in on and 16th place. He got in on seven. But there were three other people, Evan included, tied on seven. Yeah, you know, and then it comes to tiebreakers, which, like, lends to my record a little bit and just kind of, like, helps the discussion more, is I went 1-2-2. Two, two. The only two games I lost were to literally nuclear bombs going off in the game, where Jordan just had an un- un- like unimpeded uh, ad nauseum that just won the game, and the other game that I lost was an Obnixilis deck that just had the god hand. It was a turn one Obnixilis into a Cataract Parasite, and then turn two a Wheel of Fortune that let them see 28 more cards, including all of their free mana, and then just spun out and uh, all will be wand us, and that was the end of the game. So, like, uh, 
there were games that the two games I lost, I didn't even get a chance to compete in. And then the other three games were all like games where I presented. I was the one drooling for the win. Like I wanted it. I know how valuable it is. And just getting one is I know is not enough. Right. And that's like I think the mentality that everyone should be moving forward with is the proof in the pudding is that I, I, I'm guilty of throughout the day knowing that one, two, two could get me in. Right. So like, totally, you know, seven points can, can get you in via tiebreakers just based on what happens throughout the rest of the day to other people. So, um, there were in the back of my head, I was just like, I just need one. I just need one. I just need one. You know, the mentality has to shift for all players to be more competitive, to say, no, I need two. Right. Need to. I mean, you were even pitching the that idea of like a crazy tournament or it's a single elimination kind of tournament, right? Yeah. It goes really fast. Yep. Um, it's like literally you lose, you're done. hundred like percent. And like fifteen dollar buy in, top prize of guy's cradle. Who, I don't know, that feels kinda of bad because the, like, you know, the experience you had, you get RNG'd out and someone oh, turns totally. and you know, turn zero wins and you just yeah, get fifteen bucks to not even play. <laughs> it's yeah. the nature of the beast. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yeah, I mean it's why it's a uh, we'll, experiment we like yeah. to theorize on, on like potentials to elimination tournament yeah yeah yeah, yeah maybe exactly yeah, yeah we talked talked about that too because we didn't know if we could get 64 players so like getting 48 if you got 48 you could actually like do a double elimination yeah you'd go to a loser's bracket and have you could work your way then, back up yeah, yeah. um anyway uh the game was or the games were great i think shaline halar um i might retire it for a minute uh, the deck still presents win cons, but the one thing that I noticed today and it really stuck with me in the following days was if you want to win games more consistently, you need to be able to do it when it's not your turn. Yeah, and Naya is not going to do that. Nope. A lot of the time, I mean, you have some Academy Rector lines, right, that can do it on the opponent's turn. Yeah, but uh, not in not even in my deck. Like, oh, you yeah. took that out. Yeah. No, yeah. So I don't have those options. It's basically just waiting till it comes around to my turn. Hopefully, I've created an environment where I can just fire off, you know, my two card combo and win the game. But um, we can, I can see now more than ever that that isn't going to lead to a lot of success moving forward. Even though the deck does have a decent, you know, like win percentage and it does like help it's me place deck. higher in yeah. tournaments. Um, I do need something that can win uh when someone else is trying to win i would say this is this was a very good tournament and by that i mean there's a lot of good players and good decks and there was a lot of table policing there was a lot of responsible play yeah in pretty much every game like i said that first game was super fast every other game was two turns like like what 70 minutes five minutes plus another 30 minutes into turns like every single one of these games yeah Mm -hmm. so because of that like you know sometimes just holding a win in hand does it doesn't it doesn't get you there a lot of the times actually i would say that yeah like evan said you know he's presenting wins all in every one of these games i was doing the same thing guy was saying he's doing the same thing at this very same very same tournament uh that doesn't matter enough anymore because there is enough interaction because there's enough good players Mm -hmm. and everybody on these like four or five color lists um a lot of times you're just going to get stopped. So you the, the edges and timing now, not just in having the exactly. Win. Yeah, yeah. That and and you know I want to say you know relative to what you're saying, Evan, like in the top four of this tournament, Yeva was one of the decks, which is your like classic good parasitic deck. But even then, 
the nature of Yeva is you get to play on the other player's turn. You get to play on your you player's know? turn. Yeah, and actually that, I mean, I will say, yeah, shout out to this Yeva player, Jake. He, I played against him twice. He was a very good, good player. player. Great, yeah. great player. to talk to. And, you know, that's an unusual Yeva list, I feel like. I'm not an expert on it, but I do look at those lists a lot, and I'm I'm seeing, like, a pretty big variation in that creature list. Yeah, we should maybe get him on here to talk about it, because this is a really cool list, and he, he whomped us with it. So, totally. Uh, shout out. Yep. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot of validity to like being able to play around timing. You know, we see Atlas who won this tournament. You know, we've talked about him t- a ton. Mm-hmm. His ability to win at instant speed on top of any type yep. of thing uh, really does pivot him towards you know higher win rates. Um, the other thing I would say I noticed in this tournament was the prevalence of creatures and how good creatures are. Last week, right, in our Showered Thoughts, we talked about ETBs and how absolutely busted they are yep. because it's already resolved by the time it's on the battlefield. Creatures are hard to interact with, uh, and those are abusable abilities. Creatures are absolutely everywhere in the CDH meta right now. Either they're stacks pieces, they're win conditions, they're value engines, they're creatures. They're all creatures now. Almost every win con goes through a creature. A creature. And almost yeah. always through an ETB on a creature. I'm yeah. excited to yeah. see Modern Horizons 3 because I think it's going to introduce some things to like interact with that meta that's yeah. prevailing and everywhere. This is actually even what stemmed that ETB conversation was exactly this. Tordith on uh, Discord talking about the lack of creature interaction, right? On the Shower mm-hmm. Thoughts channel, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. lack of creature interaction. Like we've we've identified that dress down is great and after this tournament holy shit i want in every list i ever play literally stopped me from winning the game yeah i think subtlety deserves a hard look subtlety oh yeah yeah the blue incarnation from mh2 yeah 100 um uh march of swirling mists i'm putting back in list now holy god i mean that that phases creatures out but but sometimes it's only for that turn sometimes it's only for that one thing you need to stop and because that's just like save this Yeva deck, right? There's six creatures out. I have one kill spell. There's it doesn't matter. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter at that point. Um, and then like it, if you're a blue player and you have a you know swan song in hand, you have no point of interaction in this entire game. So uh, get do you feel hand. like Stern Scolding is hundred percent stronger after this tournament? Is that is that now auto include maybe? Honestly, it was kind of auto include for me beforehand. Okay, yeah, um, people. I, I don't think the community is quite behind it yet, even though the concern for creatures is growing. I know okay, personally, yeah. I'm putting. I'm going to continue playing the decks I like to play, which are usually turbo leaning. Yeah, I am still. I need creature interaction. It is the one thing I can fight on the stack like a motherfucker, but I cannot. I cannot stop creature decks from winning. Once they'll, they'll they'll just walk all over me, and I will just hold seven cards in hand and not do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my takeaway. Um, the other thing is, I love playing the Gila. This deck is super fun. I love the no bad cards list, but. Being that is Najila, you are threat assessed immediately when you flip your command over. This community hates Najila. It is so funny, bro. Like it happened at least two different tables and two different games. I would flip my commander over and people would just be like, oh no. But I swear to God, it was at a table with Atraxa, new Atraxa, Tivit, mm-hmm. and Blue Farm. And I'm just like, how am I the boogeyman at this table? I, I, I mean, like we're that also comes down to timing because you're gonna be Najila has the ability to come down before all those guys most of the time. And True, run away with the game first. True, I mean, I I do get that, but it's just it was funny to me that's like we're we're all playing playing pretty much the same deck at like the same S tier level. Mm-hmm. It's funny, it's just like that. There's still that like you know perception of like a boogeyman in the format. It's very interesting. Yeah, uh, overall the experience of the tournament uh, was positive. I think we learned a lot about just like the community the meta how we want to move forward as players and um totally just playing with playing with good players and tons of great gameplay is 
inspiring. Yeah, you get you, better at the game by losing to better players. 100%, which I, I did a is. lot of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you, the listeners, are actually going to get a pretty unique uh, at like uh, perspective here because we're bringing on three players from the tournament. We have Tordeth, um, and we have Atlas, who actually won the tournament, and... Uh, Tyler Wood. Tyler Wood. Yeah, who, so uh, Tordeth, a.k.a. Justin Pack, who is a uh, pepperhead, shout out. He got third playing Rocco. Mm-hmm. Atlas got first playing Kenrith, of course. Uh, and Tyler Wood got seventh playing Atraxa. He was the yes. Atraxa I played against. Yeah, and uh, they're all great players, and they're all incredibly enthusiastic about their decks and passionate about the game. So uh, I'm excited to hear what they're, how these interviews unfold. I'm actually going to hop off the air here to make sure that this episode doesn't go for two hours, and Jordan can just uh, focus in on asking these crucial interview questions. Um, Jordan, let's kick it off. Uh, Tyler, we've met a few times, but you have not met, I believe, Chris yet. Chris is the third Mockstar. Hello. Okay. Well, what's up, Chris? What's up? Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at your Atraxa list that you ran in Fall Brawl. This is a hot list. Just... Uh, I think so. <laughs> no, we've just been looking through it for the last few minutes. Um, it's it's a spicy list, dude. It, it looks good. God damn. This well, is the content so far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just us looking at the list and strolling through and oh, being wow. amazed by it. I am actually, uh, this is not relevant to anything. You do, I think, have a, I'm going to ask about the uh, individual choices of card arts. Oh, you, snap. Yeah. You're really into some of these uh, recent arts, like the Borderless Soul Ring. You don't see that a lot in lists. The, uh, and running the new Toxic, toxic Deluge which is also my favorite printing in the card from the Lord of the Rings set. Uh, all right, dude. Well, today we are talking about a tournament that we all happen to play pretty recently called Fall Brawl. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, I was very impressed with the turnout. Um, it, it did feel like mid-range winter at this tournament, but as a mid-range player, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, thriving in, in the mid-range, the mid-game. Uh, as a turbo player, it was a little tough, I won't lie. Yeah, I there there more often than not I've noticed a lot of these like major CEDH full proxy tournaments are um pretty turboy. Everyone gets to play with the Wheel of Fortune LED combo and so I I noticed like Tess takes over a lot and um Silas Rog takes over a lot, but this this tournament I think had like three dedicated turbo lists like two stacks list and everyone else was just trying to draw a bunch of cards yeah that was definitely the vibe i think you know we were uh just talking about it like the amount of draws or just extremely long games because of heavy interaction the perfect stacks pieces the perfect answer the irresponsible play you know it has led to very long games I, I always say paying for Ristic adds a minute to your game so that's kind of on that's kind of on them if they want to pay for it yeah, that's fair. So, uh, yeah, with this meta, what what were you maybe surprised by when you went in? What did you see at this tournament? Uh, at this tournament specifically, uh, the big the big thing for me was seeing a lot of the like the newer cards um, getting used like really optimally. So like Talion kind of was like the star of the show for like a ton of decks. Anything yes. in Demir uh, was on um, was on Talion, and it looked very spicy to see what numbers people were picking. I mean, everyone pretty much 
picked between one or two, but there were a couple scenarios where like three got really like popular and the politics around this card is also very interesting because not only does it, is it a card draw engine? It's a stacks piece. You can't go infinite if you have to cast Dockside a bunch or mm-hmm. you cannot go infinite uh, through your tides about tyrant loop or your whole breaker horror loop if it's on one. So there was a lot of uh, debate at every table every time this got cast to see what number people were going to use. And then obviously I, the one ring um, took over this tournament. It, it almost felt like everyone was racing to resolve theirs first. Um, but other than that, this tournament just was very mid-rangey and interesting. And there was a very cool Najila list I was kind of jealous of, but... Was it Jordan's? Uh, or It was Jordan's. What? I, I, anytime someone plays Turbo Najila, I'm like, you are a you are a better person than I. Because oh, that is literally just like, if someone has removal on turn two, you don't win the game. But if no one has removal <laughs> on turn two, you win the game. Well, I think, <laughs> I think you figured out Jordan's mindset just in... <laughs> Dude, oh my God. I, we, I mean, we haven't even covered this. We just kind of did a little bit of our recording, our... Um, takes from the tournament and stuff like that i didn't even go over my final game which i don't even think i talked to you about last night or that night um it was so ridiculous but i was going fifth or fourth uh in the last game and or in the semis and i had to mull to five every time i mulled to six there was no lander so i forced to five mm-hmm. uh and i was able to like exactly what you said try and win on turn two i attempted thoracal demonic consultation uh no cards left in hand turn two i was like you guys either have it or you don't have it right now um and it took each single player all three of them had a piece of interaction that was required to stop me disgusting but they had it's it. Disgusting. <laughs> but they had it. You know, it's exactly what you said. You're either going to win that game or you're going to lose that game. But that game, for me, did not go 45 minutes into turns. It was about <laughs> 10 minutes and I packed my shit up. Yeah, and, like, that's that's kind of what I, I think, like, Turbo is slowly going to have to fade out. And I'm, I'm sorry to say it, Jordan, but with the very, very high quality of interaction in the game now, especially, like, turn zero interaction – all the forces, endurance, uh, noxious revival. Uh, one of my favorite pet green cards. Um, I mean, that's what actually stopped the me. Earth. Turn the earth yeah. is so good, yeah. So good, but just because the the quality gets so high um, with the interaction that I think if you are sitting down at a table and it's a three v one. Two of those people are going to mulligan for turn zero interaction because so many decks are built around turn zero, turn one, turn two interaction. Yeah, no, I agree. I um, am trying to figure my way through this uh, mid-range winter, as you're saying. I'm not as much of a mid-range player, so figuring out how to succeed in that is a good a good challenge. Best of luck to you. I, Thanks, I also was a turbo player when I first started out with CDH and then just got on the mid-range train really early on because I, I, I stink at turbo strategy so i had to find something different have you been on atraxa since they were uh spoiled or have so, you gone through some other mid-range commanders to get here okay that's i that's a great question um so in in my heart of hearts i will always be a thrasios player uh he is he is my son i love <laughs> him more than i love most people in my life uh, i have done thrasios plus x in every variation. If the card has said partner, I have paired it with Thrasios just to try it. What's your favorite so started, uh, partner? 
My favorite partner as of right now is Bruce Tarl. I am okay. I am our LGS's Dawn Waker player. Okay. And I I absolutely love any deck that makes infinite mana. That's kind of my thing. Just if I can go, I'm gonna make an infinite amount of something, I feel really good. I mean, it, it feels great when you do it. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was on Kinnon, and then, you know, budget started getting better. And then I mm-hmm. just went Kinnon into Thrasios Krom, into Thrasios Bruce Tarl. And I, I had to switch off of it because that deck will win the game. It will 100% win the game. Every turn that passes by, I get a percentage increase on if I'm going to win that game. I As a Thrasios deck, I as... I generate more mana. I will just draw more cards and more cards equals a win. But in tournament play, especially 75 minute going into turns, I can't always turn that corner as effectively, especially against other mid-range lists. Because even though if I believe I can mid-range better than any other mid-range list, I can't always turn the corner before it gets to a draw. And so I went on a Traxa because it does the exact same thing. But because you're in black, you do get more explosive turns and you can just jam the win. Um, like once you're able to get like one demonic tutor or one vamp tutor. Um, but it's all about just developing that window before you get there. And Dawn Waker took too long to develop that window. So, you know, for an opening hand, what are you looking for out of this list? Uh, in this list, the way I have it built right now, I'm either looking for uh i i really need to stick to seven because mm-hmm. until attracts it comes down i'm not really drawing that many cards and like half of my list exists to make mana so i either need like two stacks pieces that i can cast um anything with four or more lands or anything that gets me into a, an early draw engine that i don't think is going to get killed or countered so like a turn one Ristic is really sick, mm-hmm. but a lot of the time, especially being like the dirty Atraxa player, um, I have to be able to like guarantees it it sticks. But if I can get like a one ring down, um, I actually just cut Eldritch Evolution for Talion. If I can get a Talion down or a Lotho or anything that like makes passive mana, I, I will eventually get there. But if I can't get to any of that, I, I have to mulligan. And mm-hmm. then anything six or under, if it has three lands, it's keepable. Are you, so looking at your list, you're on 27 lands. You don't have a high density of mana rocks. You're, you're really relying on those dorks to sort of ramp up into a Traxa. Are you worried about the Bowmaster meta? I am super worried about Bowmaster meta. But um, something I love to say all the time is when you can't run good cards, run your mouth. Um, mm-hmm. And... I have learned how to efficiently get the Bowmaster points everywhere else because this is definitely a sandbag until you're willing to win kind of deck. Uh, it's unironically why I'm on planes as many planeswalkers as I am. A lot of the Atraxa lists I've seen on like a lot of CEDH reddits are not on any planeswalkers except Teferi, but I literally play... Um, Planeswalkers, just so your Bowmasters has something else to shoot. Oh, okay. Uh, I like that. That's it, spicy. Yeah. It, it also is like one more permanent type to grab off of the Atraxa ETB. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've really struggled like when I first was brewing the list, making sure people weren't bonking my dorks. Um, but now that I've, I've learned that I can't really like run out a bunch of dorks early game and I have to jam like snacks pieces or something else that's scarier. I'm then able to play the dorks because 
I don't need to cast the dorks until the turn before I want to cast Atraxa a lot of the time. Mm. And then passive land drops and then rocks kind of will get me there. Um, Luris has been like an absolute haymaker in the list because you can just go like turn one, dork, turn two, Luris, and then turn three, like Lotus Petal, Lotus Petal. Or if you get like the God Hand, you're able to go like Jeweled Lotus, Jeweled Lotus, and then jam the Atraxa. Love it. Love to see it. Yeah, no, I, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's very, very cool. I would have never thought of, uh, um, playing planeswalkers to like divert the attention and stuff like that. I just loved that. No, you're... that's, that's a brilliant move. Yeah, like, it yeah. is. And I just, I just really liked that you were on, uh, Ashiok Narset because nobody ever plays Ashiok and Narset other than me. So, yeah, no. Oh, oh my God. Ashiok Dream Render is an excellent planeswalker. I feel like if you're in Demir, there's no reason not to play it. Nobody like, plays it. It, it has two relevant abilities. Like it's it, it turn, hate, yeah it hates on two different like axes that most decks win with yeah it turns off searching opponent opponent searching their libraries and it removes a, opponent's graveyards turns off breach yeah and it's one dark ritual yeah. away yeah it's a good card sorry oh, sorry side note on Ashia yeah. we really like it apparently <laughs> I mean it's I, this is my first time ever being like hot on it in a list it always felt like the hundred and first card. In a lot of the lists that I, I like to play. That's fair. But uh yeah, in this in this list, it's been a house because I'm I'm looking for as many asymmetrical stacks pieces as possible. Like mm -hmm. the only asymmetrical stacks piece I feel like I'm not on that would be like mildly playable would be like Linvala. Not Linvala, Lavinia. Cause Linvala is too much too much mana. But um I feel like that card King makes a lot of the time because you know someone's got a Force of Will or a Force of Vigor and then they can't cast it and then you lose the game. Yeah, I've run into that play style uh, a bunch of times. Usually the Force of Will player. Um, yeah, so one, we've talked about this sick-ass deck. I kind of want to talk about uh, the tournament itself. Um, what were your vibes on, I mean, I think, Marcus runs a great tournament, and I think this one was the best out of the three so far. Just super smooth. Um, but as far as uh, like tournament structure, what are your thoughts? Um, right now, we're kind of stuck in a, a world where we see a lot of seventy-five minutes with turns. Do you think that is the move? Do you think there is you know adjustments that we should make, maybe promoting healthier gameplay in the future? What are your thoughts? I um, mean, because sorry, because you did mention already that like you know the choice of deck has pivoted to be around playing around that tournament structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I love this question. Um, I, I feel like 75 minutes with turns is really good, but I think there are some alternatives that don't get as much as attention that maybe I, I'm probably really biased as a, as a stacksier mid ranger player, but I have really enjoyed 90 minutes, no turns. Um, the, the three big reasons on why I really prefer that structure is in 75 minutes with turns, people don't take the clock seriously until the last five minutes. So true. Like, at the end of the day, I'm going to get my turns, right? I'm going to get my like one last go for it. So I'm willing to stall. I'm willing to wait. And more importantly, other people aren't on their opponents about time because they think the exact same way. But like as a mid-range player who, you know, I'm doing land pass, it's really frustrating to see people like take a bunch of time on their turn not taking game actions because they, they don't actually think the clock matters. Uh, but with 90 minutes, they um, they every second you eat takes from the group clock and there is no guaranteed communal like resource at the very end. And I think that would make people play tighter and quicker. 
Um, the the second reason I think 90 minutes with no turns is really nice is I also think the the turns kind of meta is really toxic is people will just generate and I think it's a part of the reason we're in the mid-range winter is they're just going to generate as much value as possible especially if you can people think it's better to be turn zero I think it's actually better to be turn um three in the in like the turns meta is the person who got turn zero is going to try and everyone knows they're going to try and win on their very last turn. So the turn one player holds all the interaction, the turn two player holds the interaction or the turn two player has to go for it. And then everyone blows their interaction on the turn two player who got to just develop as many resources as possible and then go for it on their last turn. And then the turn three player just gets to be the lucky one with player four who has all of the cards in their hand that win the game and no interaction. And so then they just get to win the game. That's at least what I've noticed. And then the third reason is 90 minutes, no turns is the pod that goes to turns and is 45 minutes into turns and then has to eat lunch and gets two minutes to run out, grab a couple peanuts, wolf them down and then play in their third pod really sucks. You are, uh, we've interviewed two people about this so far and you're the second person to mention it. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Specifically that issue, yeah. It sucks, dude. It's think, a mental thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is is not only does it suck to go 45 minutes into pod two and lose, maybe, or draw, you then have to go straight into game three with no lunch while your opponents got to sit there for an hour, eat lunch, shoot the shit, and feel good about themselves. Yeah, no, it, it's competitive disadvantage essentially yeah no like and that's not even mentioning like if you get to top 16 you're still looking at four more games potentially with no breaks in between Mm -hmm. before you you know you get uh, a break again yeah 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 it was a long day i i noticed that i I mean i think it's with a mix of things um and exactly kind of how you were describing that that play style at the very end of 75 minutes with turns it is just like the pivot becomes if you can't win it seems to just be fight for that draw and then all of a sudden that is like a 45 minute mini game we're playing at the end of this thing where i'm not convinced it's actually saving us any more time versus if we can't win at 90 minutes just call it like i i like that i think it saves me a little um a little mental capacity going at like five or six games in a day like i i would not mind that little break i mean especially as a, a sh- the the Shalai and Halar player probably would absolutely love not to go into turns. And then everyone spends 20 minutes on each of their turns trying to navigate what stacks piece can I remove without losing the game to the person to my right? But what stacks piece do I need to remove so I can win right now? Um, it's, it's, it feels really toxic um, just because, yeah, it's, you spend, you know, 90 minutes is only 25 more minutes than, or, 15 more minutes than 75 minute turns, but turns go into on average like 30 minutes. So it's like, we're, we're not only wasting time, we're creating a TEDH environment that isn't actually determining who is the better player. It's just who has the most cards by the time they get into turns. It's almost like how in like on arena, there's like decks that only exist for the latter kind, or like, you know, you can create a competitive advantage because of the environment yeah, yeah. Exa- absolutely just taking advantage of the environment so as much as possible i think in in like a tournament organizer like thinking cap you know it's like what could you do pulling 
or pull away to just promote the healthiest environment for a tournament setting. Um, I do think that 90 minutes would be a really nice way to nice thing to try moving forward. I'm trying to get Gabby to do at her tournaments, 90 minutes, no turns, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I think there are enough people who still think 75 minutes with turns is fine, but I think it only takes once for someone to be in that pod where they get no lunch break to be like, no, 90 minute turns is fine. I would like, I'm hungry. I want my Subway sandwich, please. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I can't tell you how many of these I've been to where I just, I did not eat enough for the day. And by game four or five, you just feel awful. You're not having a good day anymore. Um, okay. Well, word, I got more questions for you right now. And by that, I mean, I probably have about one left. That is more okay. technically. It is more, I, but I said questions. I have a question for Jordan at the end of this, if that's all. How right. about you just go in right now, spice Perfect. it up? All what right. you got for me? You you had the opportunity to play against me. Yeah. Um. And as as someone who is always trying to get better at the game, uh, I I just would like to ask, uh, gameplay ways, gameplay wise, maybe not so much in card selection and deck building, but more about the the gameplay and the politics. Uh, what were your thoughts, feelings, and opinions about the way I play CEDH? Whoa, that is a big old question to drop on me. I love it. Um, well, one, I think you're you're a very good player, and I think you're a very uh, skilled political player. Um, I've noticed multiple times that you've had a kind of an advantage in that uh, category. Um, yeah, dude, I don't know. I mean, before we hopped on here, we were all talking about how all three of you, the people who are inter- interviewing for this, are just definitely better players than us. So it feels weird critiquing your gameplay. Um, I, I think you I think you politic exceptionally well. Like that game that we played together, right? It was it was a tough game where uh, the blue farm player going first, essentially just on curve, turn one, uh, Timna, turn two, Ristic Study, which I had to force of will, turn three, was like Talion Dothy turn four was the one ring just like the most crazy curve you're fighting against right so um I think in most of these it's just like who is the biggest threat at any given like millisecond of time passing um and uh I don't know I think I think you did a really good job kind of bouncing back and forth keeping like them in check keeping me in check because the other player was Tivit right so it's not like you really get any breathing room on on a turn exactly yeah all right i appreciate that and i guess my my follow-up question is that najila that najila play i i i feel like we have to go over it to honor kind of like you as a player yeah but please dress me down the, yeah the the tivet player had uh three one one spirits from my forbidden orchard and the uh blue farms uh forbidden orchard and you made the most interesting play that like took me a second to analyze and figure out. But you swung the Najila at um, the Tivit player with the three one ones and the one one that was going at the one one. You had no good swings on the Tivit or on the Blue Farm player because they had all of their creatures up. They had Crom at that point. But I was completely open, and it and I couldn't pass priority until I went. Why would you swing? there and not at me who is completely open well you were you were completely open you had you had your army that you had amassed from the orcish bowmasters so you you had a single target i had a five five you had a single target so your your question was then like if you are you which would you call that to the table as this was like on the stack essentially was like 
I think I have him on single target removal, right? Because you think I'm swinging, being able to bounce one token or kill one token saves my Anagila, um, so I'm fine there. But you're like, I don't understand why he wouldn't use it on my army and then guarantee the swing for Najila. Um, and, and essentially, it was just the threat assessment of I can still get through and get what I need off of killing the token, and I would rather not kill your army because we're staring down uh, Blue Farm, and I'd rather you start punching Blue Farm in the face for like five plus right there. Um, and okay. it, with, with the thought of like, if Najila sticks around with that resolution, I'll have at least a token or something to start chumping cause you don't have trample. So I would start from that turn on, I would start leaving one up. Um, not how I really end up shaking out, but you know, that was the thinking at least. Okay. See that's, and that's why I asked the, the follow up question is I was like, why would you ever leave me unswung there when you had the single target removal? But yes, having a five, five that beats any creature that blue farm is going to play makes a ton of sense yeah okay. it was just like you, you were talking that was a very tough game i don't know or at least like for me it was like as like the threat assessment at that table like i said it was it was blue farm me on najila you on attraxa and then tivit it's like it's just anybody at any moment is going to do something that which is, round was this this was the fifth game of swiss going like last one before finals got it or semis um and so right at that point you know like i had just described the the blue farm player alex i had fully you know my threat at that point was alex like i'm sure you were sandbagging for the whole attracts attracts a game plan but in my head that was like two turns from now um and i was not really generating value to any degree that you or uh blue farm was so i really needed to rely on like essentially you picking on them with me yeah okay um that okay that's cool okay i i really didn't see that i was i guess i was too focused on just having like what felt like the ultimate soul read on on what was going on and then i was i mean you had me dead to rights as far as the read 100 percent. yeah and then i was able to convince the tivet player to chump block all three tokens <laughs> yeah, yeah that was pretty sick uh yeah i know that was really funny that you just you called me out like that uh i i thought that was hilarious um but yeah that was like just an example of one of those really good games where just like so much back and forth, so much threat at the table, just any moment something could happen. Um, so I got, this kind of brings me into my next question and I kind of already have my own thought of this. Um, but Tyler, how do you see yourself as a, a, a player? Like what is the spark that you think you have that makes you as good as you are? Like in what facet of this big ass game we play? Um, like, you know, where do you think you shine? Is it in the deck building process? Is it, you know, we were discussing threat assessment. Is it politics? You know, where is, where's that little spark for you? Um, I would like to think I'm a pretty good deck builder and I spend more time deck building than playing. But if I had to pick a single thing, it's, I, I would definitely say it's politicking. Um, I think I am very good at acknowledging what you need as my opponent to win the game and I can figure out how can I get you to do what you think is best for you while that pushes my game plan even further without you knowing it, um, which is the essence of good CDH politics is getting someone to do something that is good for them because they're not going to do it if it's not good for them. Good for them, but still advances my game plan more. So like Dranith Magistrate is the perfect example of a political piece. You know, if I'm player C and player A and B are arguing over who wants to remove the Dranith Magistrate, I always ask myself first, is my commander better than your commander? Or are you on breach? But for the sake of this example, we won't go over that. But 
in this list, Atraxa, I always want the Dranith Magistrate gone. Because if I'm able to resolve the Atraxa, though I will never win off of one Atraxa ETB, um, it always guarantees that I get one more turn, which is really nice. And that's all I'm thinking about with an Atraxa ETB. So if I can convince player A to remove player B's Dranith Magistrate and their commander isn't better than Atraxa, it, it's a net positive for me if I then get to play the Atraxa, even if it's like a couple turns down the road. It's like, okay, you get a Thrasios for an extra turn and you get to draw three cards. I'm going to resolve this Atraxa and then I'm going to have a 7-7 seven, 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 seven Death Touch Beater. Um, and that's just really how I view the game is just trying to figure out how can I get my opponents to advance their game plan while still advancing my own game plan. But also, I think a big part of politics is, like, you have to be fun. You have to be nice. Like, I care. At the end of the day, like, obviously, especially at a tournament, I want to win. But this is a game, and I want to have fun. I want to make sure everyone at the table is also having fun. I want to crack jokes. I want to make sure that um, people feel like their deck is getting to do the thing. And I've noticed the more I can make someone smile and laugh the more I can get them to do the things I want, which sounds like an awful That thing sounds say, really fucked up, dude. <laughs> but it's a game. It's a game. It's part of the game. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I love that. That's awesome. And I, I totally agree. I think you you definitely shine in that category. Um, uh, yeah, so as far as like threat assessment, as far as commander, how did you, how do you feel your commander, Atraxa, is right now? Because I will say I went to about th- four of those games and just flipping over Najila, it was... Ugh, at the table, no matter what else was playing played at the table. Do you, are you feeling, finding something similar with the Traxa? Um, sorta, kinda. I I think people drastically overestimate how good the card Atraxa is. I do um, agree with that. People were just very scared of you when you're well, mana and then, mana away from Atraxa. Yeah, if if I got to nine mana, people started losing their minds, which. I kind of get, like I just said, it's the whole, like, one Atraxa ETB will never win me the card, but it always guarantees my next turn, and then I have an Atraxa, which is never good for the table. Uh, But I also don't really run into that problem all too often. I am on Crop Rot, uh, Delighted Halfling, and um, uh, Cavern of Souls. So a lot of the time, like, the only way to deal with the Atraxa is to counter it. And I try really, really hard to cast it so early that using an early turn counter spell is just losing to the turbo player or the faster mid-range list. Or it's a, it's just uncounterable. Because unironically, when I have an Atraxa on the board, I, I want it anywhere else. I want it in my graveyard so I can reanimate it. I want it in the command zone so I can cast it again. And that's the other piece I think people don't realize is removing the Atraxa is always better for the Atraxa player because the best text on that card is the ETB. Like the 7-7 beater is a political piece I try and use to be like, if you do that, I'm going to hit you with a 7-7. But then people are like, nope, I'm just going to swords it. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to draw seven life and get another ETB. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we talk all the time about how good ETBs are and how busted creatures are right now in the meta, how little limited interaction there is for them. And I mean, this is just the greatest ETB on a creature that's ever existed. <laughs> that and Dockside. That and Dockside, yeah. Those two are pretty goddamn good. They had to take that red pip off of Atraxa so you can't play them together. Yeah, that's the only thing keeping this in check right now. Well, 
I not not really. I'm on Fimage and Phyrexian Metamorph. I normally have a Dockside Extortionist. Yeah, that's actually fair. And it's it's really dumb because like anytime someone has a Dockside um, in our like play group that I play with a lot, they're always like, "We need to get rid of it." Someone sorts Please, it out. Yeah, they're get like, rid oh, of it. I this don't loop side. with it, and they're like, "No," but the attracts a player does. Dude, that's hilarious. I love that. Uh, Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show, dude. Uh, what's what's the next uh, tournament we're gonna find you at? What's up next uh, for you? I don't really know. I uh, I limit myself to one tournament a month uh, because I burn out really quick if all I'm doing is thinking about TEDH. But I think it's November fourth, so uh, Gabby's tournament because that's my home shop. I'll probably that'll probably be my uh, November tournament for the month. Are you gonna stay on a Traxa for that tournament, or are you thinking about yeah, anything I else? Think- yeah, yeah, I think I'm gonna stay on Atraxa till um, probably till the end of the year, like through December and January. I'm still reteching this list. There are a lot of cards that I felt were dead at this tournament. Like this is my first real, like real, real tournament with it. Mm-hmm. So I've got I've got a lot more to do, and I I hope to see you guys some more and with some hot new stuff. Because I, I how many wanna, how many spots do you think are gonna Rectower. open up? Sorry, what was that? Uh, sorry, uh, I-, I talked over you. Sorry. Uh, how many spots do you think are, are going to open up in this deck list? I'm looking for three. I think I might only get two. I want to add a pseudo reanimator package in. Um, I want to add Entomb, Consecrated Sphinx, and um, Consecrated Sphinx, and uh, Persist. Because okay. the only legendary targets are Elishnorn, Mother of Machines, and Talion. And the best creature in the list that isn't Atraxa, Tidespout Tyrant, is non-legendary. Love it. Love those cards. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Super yeah. excited. And uh, yeah, would love to get more games against you, dude. Uh, maybe we can get you on a gameplay episode coming up here. I would I would love that. I, I play a lot with the same, like, nine people. So getting <laughs> out there, like, I know I should set up Spell Table, but... Maybe this will be the encouragement to get me on like more webcam CEDH. Yeah, we can get your webcam, or we can, we can even get you out here in uh, Seattle and come uh, into the studio. Even better, in-person magic is the best way to play it. Big agree with you. All right, dude. Thank you so much for hopping on. It's been uh, great chatting with you, Tyler. Yeah, thank you so much. And you guys are phenomenal interviewers. I really appreciate the the kindness. You really made me feel invited. I- well, you're dude. a great interview subject. You, you are a easy. great interviewee, hundred yeah. percent, dude. Oh, thanks, guys. You crushed it, man. All right, you guys have a wonderful night. All right, you too. Likewise. Thanks, Tyler. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to Tyler for coming on the show. It was a great interview to reflect on and listen to. If you're excited to listen to the interviews uh, by Justin and Atlas, you can find those on next week's episode. They got to run a little long, so we're splitting this up into a two-part series. If you're excited to hear Justin reflect on his third-place finish or to hear about Atlas winning the entire thing, you can find that next week. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by following us on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up, subscribe, and ring that bell for more notifications. Find us on all major podcasting platforms. Leave a five-star review. It'd be great for helping more people find the show. And you can support us on Patreon by becoming a supporter and becoming an official Pepperhead and supporting the number one podcast on the internet for Magic the Gathering and Dr. Pepper. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Mock Stars Podcast. We'll see you next week.